The following is a presentation of KSL Sports. First and 12. A total roundup of this weekend's BYU football and the new look Big 12 Conference. First and 12 is sponsored by Macy's Grocery Store. Your hosts are Mitch Harper and Alex Keery on KSL News Radio and the KSL Sports Zone. Happy Sunday, everyone, coming to you from Stillwater, Oklahoma. It's been an eventful Thanksgiving holiday weekend. Big 12 football was crazy this week, and we're going to unpack all of it here on First and 12. I'm Mitch Harper, as always, with Alex Carey, your weekly check-in to all things Big 12 football. Alex, we've arrived at the end of the regular season. Can you believe it? Oh, man. Uh, it's the end of the football season for us, at least, doing the uh – doing the BYU broadcast and doing all the uh, – my I realized I did my last pregame and my last postgame. That was a little bit yeah. sad, right? I mean, BYU hasn't been to a bowl or hasn't missed a bowl since 2017, and so we're just used to something going on in December. So we'll see. Uh, I, I don't know if you uh, – I'm going full – I'm getting into full character today, Mitch. I got my full Mike Gundy voice on. <laughs> it's just, I love my, it. my My raspiness actually works out for guys like doing my Mike Gundy impersonation. And so how was Oklahoma State, though? Were you like – I mean, did you get to Eskimo Joe's? That's kind of – I don't care about the game at this point. I want to know about Eskimo Joe's. I want to know if it's overrated. We heard so much about it. I want to know what happened. Eskimo Joe's absolutely lives up to the hype. The wow. cheese fries are incredible. They okay. are amazing. Like, you're talking like – because when they told us got to get the cheese fries at Eskimo mm-hmm. Joe's, I thought, okay, you could go to training table in 1997 <laughs> and, get, and get cheese fries probably be okay. How is this any, be- how is this any better? There's a there's a little bit of spice on the sauce and there's like a jalapeno version. I, I went hot on them and yeah, it, they just a lot of a lot of flavors coming at you with the cheeses and it is so good and the fries are really good. They're they're hot, fresh. I was impressed because I like you. I thought this is kind of one of the the appointment stops on the Big yes. Twelve food tour is yes. Eskimo Joe's. Even it even got a mention on College Game Day on Saturday from Lee Corso uh, when they were talking about BYU and Oklahoma State. So. Yeah, it it's definitely lives up well, to the hype for for Cougar fans that come to Stillwater in the future. You've got to go to Eskimo Joe's. It's a legit spot. It is. It's legit. And now we can end the show. We can just end it right here because we already yep. did a food review. <laughs> We're out. <laughs> That's it. That's the end of it. Uh, all right. Let's jump in here. We're going to get to our Big Twelve headlines. It is, of course, uh, the top of how we take care of every week. Let's do it. Twelve. Twelve headlines. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 11, the dozen storylines that shape this week of Big 12 football. Headline one. You know, I was just glad we didn't have to do any calculus to try to figure out who's going to be in the Big 12 championship game. <laughs> Texas knew that if they took care of business and they beat Texas Tech, they were going to be able to make it to the Big 12 championship game in Arlington. And that's exactly what they did. A 57-7 drubbing of the Texas Tech Red Raiders down there in Austin. I mean, I knew they were going to beat him, but I didn't know it was going to be by 50, Mitch. My heavens. It was a total beatdown. What a way for Texas to close out its Big 12 era in the regular season by thumping an old rival in Texas Tech. Number two, Texas, the way they celebrated inside DKR was noteworthy. They trolled Brett Yormark. They played the video from August where Brett Yormark was talking to Texas Tech boosters saying, hey, I'm going to be there in Austin Thanksgiving weekend. You better take care of business. They played that after the 50-point beatdown, <laughs> and uh, I, you got to think Texas loved that victory lap over your mark. Who did uh, show up on the 40 acres for that game? 
I'm sure your mark wasn't thrilled to see that outcome. No, look, I would look. That's exactly how you handle it, though. Someone talks trash on you and says you're not going to be able to do it, and I hope you don't pull it off. And then you go, whoops, and you play the video up on the big board, especially because what they get one more game that the Big 12 is going to oversee. That's it. So you get to chalk trash all you want. You got the W. You got your uh, your Big 12 championship game appearance, and there you are. That's it. That's the end of it. Uh, number three on the list here, Oklahoma State, of course. Yesterday, the big takedown of BYU, the second overtime win was exciting in a lot of aspects. It was also a heartbreaker in so many others. But the double overtime, at the very least, Mitch, since you were there, that thing was uh, that was quite a game at the end and quite an interesting one to end on for BYU. Wild finish. It was a half-empty stadium, but people that were in the stands sitting through that weather tell me it was the loudest, uh, one of the loudest settings they've been to. It, it gets loud inside Boone Pickens Stadium, and Oklahoma State punches their ticket to the Big 12 championship game. We'll have more on that coming up a little bit later. Number four, though, headline, BYU, no bowl game. First time since 2017. It's only the second time since 2005 BYU's not going to the postseason. As you noted in the opening set, Alex, these are kind of new waters for BYU as they navigate life in the Power Five. Right. Well, uh, and with that, only one Big 12 newcomer is going to go to a bowl this season. It's UCF. The Knights getting a win over Houston, 27-13. BYU's looking at it going, shoot, we should have gotten a game against Baylor or Houston on the schedule this year. <laughs> they did get a freebie against Cincinnati, but my heavens, yeah. Uh, you're you're uh, going into the bowl season with only one of your new teams, and they only made it as a 6-16. Six it, it is not easy to go to the Power Five. That transition is real. All these teams are showing you why this year. Uh, number five. Oh, excuse me. I think you just did that one. But, uh, no, yeah, just the just just those guys going in. And, and obviously, uh, the saddest one of all, of everybody in the Big 12, who was cheering on BYU all weekend were the Oklahoma Sooners, who absolutely blast TCU 69-45. to I'm not sure if that's a great indicator of what kind of a team uh, Oklahoma is. Give up 45 points to a very, very bad TCU team right now. But Sooners end up third in the Big 12 because BYU uh, can't get the win over Oklahoma State. I just think back to after Red River, Barry Switzer of Oklahoma, great. He did a video with Dylan Gabriel and said, Sooner Nation, this is our leader. We can't wait for that rev- another uh, crack at the Longhorns in Arlington. Like, everyone was just ready to anoint oh, yeah. Oklahoma oh, yeah. to the championship game. Well, Big, Big 12 had other ideas as Oklahoma does not make it to Arlington. They Their era in the Big 12 has come to a close. Number seven, TCU becomes the first team since 2010. That was Texas did not make a bowl game after playing in the national championship. Look, Sonny Dykes built up a lot of good for, goodwill in that first year, making that national championship game run. The hypno-toads, toads, it was all the rage. But this was a huge letdown year, too. Any momentum that they gained last year completely wiped out this season with a losing record. Look, I get you have uh, Max Duggan, you know, going out the door, but he was your backup last year, right? And so yeah. you had all these athletes, and you were not able to string together uh, any sort of – I mean, we would have been, like, fine with a 9-3 and three or 8-4 and four season, but I think in terms of people looking at how disappointing some of the teams have been in the Big 12 this year, TCU tops that list. Iowa State taking down Kansas State last night in, in one of the more snowy games I've ever seen. Farmageddon delivers a high-scoring game in the snow, even 42-35 Iowa State. And you know what, Iowa State, Mitch, I've just been impressed, man. I can't believe that they had the season that they did. I know it was seven and five, but they go to the they go to the bowl and they're gonna uh, they're going to a bowl game. They had a great conference uh, run as well, 
uh, despite the fact that everybody went, well, you guys are going to be bad because of all the offseason stuff. And, uh, and, and Iowa State delivered, man. The Cyclones getting the win over Kansas State. Kansas State was one of the teams we thought were going to be a dark horse for that Big 12 championship. And, uh, you know, Iowa State said, no, thank you. Would not be surprised if Iowa State's a way-too-early kind of trendy team in top 25 polls this January. Number nine, Jason Bean gets the start at quarterback once again for Kansas. He returned from injury. And the Jayhawks take down Cincinnati. They get to eight wins in a regular season. First time since 2008. Been 15 years. Nice job by Kansas getting that victory. You know what's wild is with Jason Bean in there, think about Jalen Daniels, how the, how the year turns out, right? He's the Big 12 preseason offensive player of the year. And uh, we just never – he never got going after those injuries. And so, for them to get to eight wins, I think with Jason Bean kind of leading things up, the future's still bright in Kansas, especially because Lance Leipold is, is doing a really, really good job there changing the culture over. Uh, the culture over. West Virginia also gets to eight wins and has, de- and has probably uh, outlived all the expectations that anybody – they were the ones that, that really showed out this year in Big 12 play, the Mountaineers getting a win uh, after defeating Baylor. But eight and four on the season, I, I think they're even if they want him gone, Neil Brown's gonna have to stick around another year. Well, that's the thing I was wondering, you know, Alex. It feels like Neil Brown does he parlay this little bit of success into maybe another job because this coaching carousel pool, it's not too deep. We're seeing you know Mark Stoops go to Texas A and M and Jonathan Smith going to Michigan State, but maybe there's a there's a new landing spot maybe for Neil Brown so he can parlay this success maybe because it still seems like West Virginia folks are not completely sold on him and a guy that his program is not sold on Baylor Dave Aranda headline number 11 Baylor Bears close out the season at three and nine they had eight home games this year Alex and they go three (laughs) and nine you wonder what happens next with Dave Aranda yeah when Texas State blew him out at the beginning of the year uh and a very very limping into the game Utah team barely beat him there you thought what is going on down in Waco but yeah they're a mess Dave Aranda, I mean, you know how it is. Even though Baylor doesn't historically have this insane program, they've turned things around quite a bit, and the expectations are going to be high. I think you're going to see Dave Aranda out of there. I would I would imagine it would be in the next few weeks here, but uh, maybe they give him an extra chance. I don't know. Uh, and then finally, nine teams from the, from the Big 12 are now bowl eligible. Nine teams going to bowls. BYU not one of them. Houston not one of them. Cincinnati not one of them. Who else missed bowls that I'm missing out on here on this one? TCU and Baylor. There it is. There it is. Could you believe it? TCU and Baylor. Those are two that you wouldn't have put on the list, right? <laughs> two teams the last two years that were in the Big 12 championship game. No bowl game for either one of those teams. Wild. We're going to break this thing down around the corner. BYU versus Oklahoma State, the two-overtime thriller. Although BYU fans not that thrilled, of course, with the outcome, especially how they started things off. We'll break that down. Uh, Mitch is down in Stillwater, Oklahoma still. Uh, I'm ba- I'm holding the farm down here in Salt Lake, and we are breaking down. First and 12 here for you, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone and KSL News Radio. Back around the corner, more to come. Stay with us. Today's just the start of a Big 12 and Power 5 talk to come. Listen to JJ and Alex Monday on your drive home. Afternoons from 3 to 6 on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. That's right. You can catch myself and Jeremiah Jensen from KSL 5 Television, JJ and Alex in the afternoons on 97.5 the KSL Sports. And you can also hear Mitch Harper and myself right here on First and 12. And then, of, of course, Mitch uh, hosting uh, Cougar Nation, hosting Cougar Sports Saturday. Are you guys going to do an end of the year Cougar Nation tomorrow night just to, like, let it, let all, let it all out? 
everybody going to pull an Isaac Rex and just let it all out on the on the uh, and leave it all out there on the field? We had some pretty grumpy post game callers that really just uh, did not hold back. I'm hoping you guys get some of that tomorrow. We will be having a show six to seven. So yes, we will have all the the angry calls, the the excited about the future calls, whatever you got, we'll be taking them on Cougar Nation. I told you I was going to call in at some point this year. I keep threatening. <laughs> you might not even know it's me, but when I call in. Time's running out. I'm going to do it. All right. Uh, we had right. our ver- Real quick, though, we had yeah. our version of Phyllis from the Feinbaum show, kind of an older lady. <laughs> she called in, gave a great call. She romanticized the, the 10 a.m. kickoff set. I just loved wow. that. And she wow. just loved it. It was, it was a great call, but it, then she gave a take that said, BYU, because uh, I asked her, I said, are they going to get it done against Oklahoma State? She says, if they bring the same effort that they did against Oklahoma, they can get it done. And, Alex, they did give oh, that air effort, but they, they ultimately came up short in double yeah. overtime. Uh, by the way, our program is always brought to you by Macy's Grocery Store. Happy shopping. You can get your freshest fruits and vegetables, also your local farms and favorite local brands. Macy's Happy Shopping. There you go. I just sneak that in there. I thought of Oklahoma State, and then I thought of Farms, and then I thought of Macy's. So, yeah, the effort was there. Uh, 24-6 to six at the half. We were blown away by what BYU's game plan was, which was putting it all out there. Uh, an onside kick that was brought back. I, I didn't know. Like, Mitch, I was, I was weirded out by it. Now, I'm not, I'm not an official. But in my world, when they go back, to go back on, on and review something and then go, uh, after review, there's a penalty on the play, like, Throwing a flag on a review is is kind of hard, and I couldn't tell if the guy had touched it or not, or where the ball was. And anyway, it was it seemed to go a little bit, uh, you know, the direction for Oklahoma State in that sense. But the fake punt, the uh, the throw uh, from Ryan Rico to uh, to Batty was just hilarious. The hurdle that he tried, awesome, <laughs> and it was just like everything that that you wanted. Where it's just like, man, things are going for BYU uh, to go up that quickly. And really, after uh, the second play from from scrimmage, when you saw that that exchange fumble, and you went, "Oh my goodness!" Jake Retzlaff is still not figured it out. What did you do in practice all this week, BYU? That giveaway at the very beginning was such—I mean, that is such amateur level stuff, dude. And but 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 their defense showed up. They got stops. They keep them to six points. They hold them to six in the first half. They score twenty-four themselves. They are rolling. But but what but I'm looking at this thing, Mitch, and I tried to I really tried to make an effort in my mind. When they came out at the half, I went, this thing could get away from them because this is what they did to Houston. This is what Oklahoma State does. They come out, they kind of get a, a measure of what you are. Slow starts are not new to them, and and for B, and BYU, fast starts are, are are very new to them. Right? They don't know how to hold a lead. They didn't even have a lead against Oklahoma, so the effort was there. But they were up 18 points, three scores going into the half and we're looking around and I still didn't feel comfortable. And as soon as they went three and out and then Oklahoma state came down and scored and Ollie Gordon looked like his ankle issues or whatever. They retaped him. I don't know what the shot it was that they gave him. He came out with a different energy in the second half. And I started to figure something out, Mitch, because at 40 to 34, which would ended up being the final and they got the stop on the two point conversion. It was all there. The Isaac Rex fumble, it was kind of the perfect end to a season, like in in the sense that like it felt like that's how that season was going to end, right? Uh, on something so bad luck, on something so bad, or something, you know, where Isaac Rex, the poor kid. I mean, that guy has, has given his all for this career, but this team, Mitch, wasn't a great team, and it wasn't even a good team this year. And I and that was what I kind of had to come to the realization this year was, oh my goodness, it's not even a good team, and. They are exactly what their record is. More importantly, they're exactly the five-game losing streak 
that they ended the season on. That's what I got out of this one. The loss at Oklahoma State, I thought that was coming anyway. Um, to do it in this fashion, and like I said last week against Oklahoma, it feels like I'm a broken record. It actually feels worse that it ended this way for BYU. B- BYU closes a season on a five-game skid for the first time since 1955. This sort of thing doesn't happen for BYU, and I think it's a new real- <clears throat> reality check for life in the Big 12 Conference. BYU, too, Alex, they forgot how to win. Uh, yeah. I think they, they just That's truly forgot right. how, how to win because when they got that lead, I think you're right. You know, they get up 24-6, to six and I think they were almost starstruck, like, whoa, this is happening. It's actually working. Like, our belief <laughs> is actually manifesting itself on the field because against Oklahoma – they played well, but they never had the lead. This game, they had the lead. It was there. It kind of reminded me a little bit, too, of the Utah game in 2018 where BYU built up a big lead. Right. And historically, it, it just not even BYU, but in all of college football, when a team gets up by three possessions, it is tough to come back yes. from because even Oklahoma State found out in the second half, despite all their success, it took to the fourth quarter late to get over the hump and get that lead. It's just it's a it's a monumental climb to get that done. And and BYU just I think they got too conservative in that second half. And I think at quarterback Jake Retzlaff, you learned BYU that he is clearly not your number one guy going no. into 2024. And I no. thought this was a game where you unload the playbook. You know Kalani Sataki. We'll hear from his commentary coming up a little bit later. But he said that they unload that playbook. They didn't unload it in the second half. No. They were too conservative, and Jake Retzlaff's accuracy was a glaring issue. He was not even giving guys chances to catch the ball. And I thought in that second half they should have turned to Keaton Slovis. Not to say Keaton Slovis is going to right all the wrongs with this team, but it's an empty-the-tank moment. Don't leave any what-ifs out on that field uh, in that game. And I kind of wonder what could have been for BYU with maybe a drive with Slovis yeah. potentially. And you got to give credit to Retzlaff for you know, ma- uh, you know, manufacturing that drive late to give them a chance to tie up the game with a Will Ferrin kick. But I just thought that the play calling on the offensive side in the second half left a lot to be desired. And I was impressed with how Oklahoma State – Despite their uh, mistake-filled first half, they came out in that second half and just fired back and believed in what they, they've done this year with Alan Bowman on those quick-hit screens. And then Ollie Gordon, 34 carries, 166 yards. The running backs in the Big 12 are elite. I would Wild. put these running backs against any running backs in college football. I mean, Blake Corum's a stud at Michigan, and he had another big one in the Big Ten. But the depth at running back in this in this conference is amazing. And Ollie Gordon, I think, is truly the best. That guy is an absolute baller for Oklahoma State. Yeah, anytime you can put up uh, a stat like the five-touchdown day that he had, uh, breaking or at least tying a Barry Sanders record in a game yeah. for five touchdowns, yeah, I mean, the thing was is BYU had them bottled up in the first half too, right? I mean, they had them bottled up. They had it kind of figured out. And Oklahoma State made the adjustments, and BYU just played to not lose in the second half. That was it. I mean, they just went in there and went, okay, how do we preserve this? How do we preserve this? And and, and it's the same thing. What's funny is, Mitch, last week, what did we say? This is probably the worst loss since 2018 uh, Utah. And then now, this week, you go, this is probably the worst loss since last week right like yep. th- both of those games both of them uh, this one felt even worse like you were saying it had that slow motion car crash situation where you're like watching it happen and you can't stop it right you're like no and that's exactly what was going on with Oklahoma State they were so much more the better team in the second half it was almost a joke like BYU you know 
exactly what's going to happen in the second half. They're going to give it everything because they are going to go to the Big 12 championship game if they beat you, which is exactly what they did, and they showed everybody, hey, uh, a team that went 1-2 and two to start the season and had a six-touchdown loss even two weeks ago uh, is still going to go to the Big 12 championship game, and uh, Mike Gundy knows how to get those guys dialed up. We have a lot still to break down about this. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll get those, com- those comments from Kalani Satake after the game. Uh, his last post-game address to the media, all of that. So coming up, stay right here with us. It is first and twelve. Uh, it's not our final first and twelve, by the way, of the season. Don't don't give up on us. We're you know, we're going to still give you a uh, post-championship game Big Twelve look ahead as well to next season. So uh, I don't want you to think, oh, I'm not I'm not going to keep downloading the podcast. We're still getting it going. You can still download it, and we're still going to give you some great content. So stay right here. More to go. 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone, and also KSL News Radio right here every Sunday on First and 12. Stay with us. The following is a presentation of KSL Sports. First and 12. A total roundup of this weekend's BYU football and the new look Big 12 Conference. First and 12 is sponsored by Macy's Grocery Store. Your hosts are Mitch Harper and Alex Keery on KSL News Radio and the KSL Sports Zone. It's not often BYU football experiences losing seasons. You go back since 1972, since Lavelle Edwards took over the program when he was the head coach. BYU is has only experienced six losing seasons in the program in the last 50-plus years. And Saturday became that sixth, second time in Kalani Satake's era that BYU goes through a losing season. This is first and 12, Mitch Harper, Alex Keery. Tough deal for BYU as they fall to Oklahoma State. This was head coach Kalani Satake in Stillwater after the game. <sighs> uh, tough end to the season. Honestly, wasn't even thinking about this as a result. And so, uh, tough way to say goodbye to the seniors on the team. And, um, you know, the uh, obviously it's not the result we wanted, but congratulations Oklahoma State. I believe they go to the Big 12 championship game now. Um, Coach Gundy and, and his staff done an amazing job with, with their team, so they deserve it. Uh, we did everything we could, just came down to the end. Uh, mistakes uh, cost us, but uh, the guys fought hard. I appreciate how hard they fought. and They just didn't make enough plays, especially in the second half. So um, that, that, that's for all three phases. Uh, we did everything we can. We threw the playbook at them a little bit, tried to f- find a way to get more possessions and things like that. But... Uh, you know, just uh, overall, just really happy with the guys and the perform, the their energy and the effort that they gave. Um, we'll just build on this. Um, talk to the guys. This is now they know what to expect in the Big 12, and and uh, I think the off-season conditioning and because we don't go to bowl game, we don't get those extra practices. We're going to have to figure out a way to take advantage of the the workouts and take advantage of the time that we're given uh, to to overcome that and get the guys ready by the time we get to spring ball and um, gotta keep focusing on our, on, our, on our install but our, our uh, fundamentals and technique and by the time we put the pads back on in spring we should be ready to roll so um, that and I think when they go into the off-season conditioning uh, they'll have something to look back on and, and I think they'll, they'll have a little bit more um, urgency when they're getting their workouts in so I imagine we're going to be stronger bigger and faster by the time we take the field again and play this this conference schedule again next year so 
uh, yeah, just uh, trying to find ways to, to, to learn and grow from this and get better, and, and uh, we'll get this program where we want to be. I think for now, we wanted to go to Bogan. That's not, that's not part of it, and we'll just have to do without it. Been been through this before in my college career where we had to overcome not being at a bowl game. So um, we'll get better. We'll improve. Um, I thought it was a really cool environment uh, today here in Stillwater. Uh, it's been, you know, I don't want to <laughs> have the uh, the outcome just just not not allow me to, uh, you know, appreciate the the fans here for Oklahoma State. And uh, I thought they brought a lot of energy. It was a lot of fun. Um, I thought the Oklahoma State players played with a lot of fire and energy. It was it was a lot of it was a good battle. So, um, congratulations to them again, and uh, we'll be watching them play in the next week, and I'll be interested to see what happens with um, everybody playing their 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 uh, post game uh, post season and and uh, you know where we go. But um, looking forward to to building on this and getting better and making sure our programs even better next year. So I'll take any questions you guys have. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to go for it. I felt like if I, I felt like we were closer on the spot, you know, that maybe it was half a yard closer. And um, the problem is that if you go for it, then they're right right away in, in field goal territory. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I I wanted to go for it. We were we were talking about it as a staff, and and um, you know, decided to punt the ball and actually boomed a good punt and just went all the way into the end zone if we could find a way down it. But even with it going to the end zone, you net a lot of yards on that. So, um, you know, it wasn't that, that decision that lost us the game. It was the drive that we gave up for them to get all the way through. Um, luckily, we were able to block a PAT to get a chance to kick a field goal in the end, you know, to put it into extra time. But, um, you know, e even through the whole thing, I think, I think, I think defensively when we – it's hard to keep – Keep that that back. I mean, he's so good. It's hard to just keep him. Uh, when especially if they're, I don't know how many they gave him the ball thirty four times. So they were committed to giving the ball a, a bunch, and so it's going to be really difficult to keep him, um, you know, without his yards. And so I think we did the best we could. I think a couple times there was breakdown. We lost the edge and that touchdown that we gave up when they went ahead. Um, even in the in the in the overtimes, I thought we gave him too many yards, but. Credit to them and credit to him. He's really good back. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just I'm really trying to rethink as many decisions as we made. But you know, I thought thought the onside kick was would have been nice if we would have retained the ball. But I I didn't see. I couldn't see where they thought that it was confirmed that that was touch. I don't. I have no idea. I was. I didn't have access to the screens like that. Where the offense go sideways? You felt in the second half and and ultimately the. Yeah, I had to watch the film. You know, which, I mean, I, I obviously would we'd like to see more points on the board because if we get some more production in the second half it will help out help us out and even sustain some drives you know that, that we can get get some relief to the defense um but even defensively i thought we had more chances to get turnovers and you know the turnovers cost us i, I don't know how many do we have offensively but th that's that's a problem you know we have to take care of the football and my heart goes out to isaac i love him i mean this is a hard hard way to end the game you know with with a fumble and he's been through so much and uh, he, he is distraught and, and he's hurting right now in the locker room. The, I'm proud of our guys rallying around him. And, and this has never been a team that point fingers uh, one side of the ball to the other or anything like that, or even individually. So uh, it just makes sense that we just keep loving each other and, and just keep working. But 
I think it could have found a way to win the game in different areas, and it just doesn't come down to one guy making the mistake. I wish it wouldn't have been, had to come down to to, um, to Isaac, you know, on the ball and and having you know fumbling the ball. But I think we had a chance when it was fourth down and two, two and a half or so, and to get a stop, and they they got first down by a yard. So uh, it's it, there's so many different things that happen in this game. And, uh, they they made enough of the place to to earn their right to win the champion uh, win a a spot in the championship game and and uh, been really impressed with what Coach Gundy's done with his team so we just we, we need to learn and get better. Connie, was there ever a thought of going to Keaton in the second half when Jake was Yeah, I, I think that was the thought process, but I, Keaton hasn't been a hundred percent yet, and and uh, you know you're putting you're putting someone at risk. He gets banged up, and then then we. But I mean, I think he has a next level. Um, he has a career the next level. He he uh, he throws well, and when he's healthy, he's really good. So it would be hard for us to make that move, um, and put that much pressure. I, I don't think we felt like that was the right move at that time, but we considered we considered all that. But I know Keaton was ready to go and wanted to be in there. Yeah. Is going through your mind that you want to change. Well, and that, that's that's part of that's part of of the move. The next move is that change is inevitable. That's uh, there's a bunch of things that we need to change. And, and um, what I'm talking about change is like it depends on what what degree of change, right? So there's there's a lot of different things that we need to do, and, and guys need to get bigger, stronger. Uh, we, we've seen it already. We've been through it. It's hard to tell the guys to get bigger and stronger when they haven't been through the fight. Now they've been through it. It's a lot going to be a lot easier for our tell. Do we tell our guys to get more meat on their bones when we have to tackle these these big backs? I mean, it seems like every back in this conference is is, a, is one of the best in the country, and this was the best. This is the best, you know. So, um, and 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 they kept feeding him the ball, and we kept loading the box up, and they're doing the RPO throws and making us pay for it, but. Uh, that's the game. I think if we could have uh, taken care of him in the run game, but yet he broke some tackles. He was, I mean, he's so physical. He's such a great back, man. And you combine that with her. when when you say great back, he it's hard to like not give credit to their old line too and the tight ends that block. So um, it was a really good scheme that that uh, that Coach Gundy and the offense has done, and they've done a great job defensively. They create some turnovers. We didn't do enough on our end, but. The hard part is just saying goodbye to all these seniors, you know, these guys that have done so many good things for us. And, and uh, our program is better because of those guys. Now we just got to make sure that we capitalize on them being here and learn from it and make, our, make everyone better. There's Kalani Sutake, his comments, of course, uh, the final ones from the podium in the postgame. Uh, we won't hear. This will be – it's not going to be the last time we hear from Kalani, but in terms of postgame comments, Mitch, I was, uh, I was bummed for him because, you know, he has all those guys who aren't going to be in the program again next year, and they've got to figure out how to bring guys back who they want to keep in the program, and that's going to be a tough hill to climb when you look what, at what they did these last few games. A lot of change is expected to happen, and you know Kalani kind of teased at it, and I think coaching changes have to happen, particularly on the offensive line, and you know credit the offensive line. They did get better the last two weeks, but still, when you're saying that you're afraid that your quarterback, your backup in Keenan Slovis is going to get hurt, uh, and that's not going to be safe. That's a kind of indirect way of saying the offensive line is not going to be good enough for him. And that's why we got to throw out a dual threat guy that's not that's not accurate at all with Jake Retzlaff. So oh tough times for BYU. And you know what? Credit to Kalani when he hits these lows, he finds a way to bounce back. But the thing is, is you don't want to dig into these lows. And like five and seven in the Big Twelve, you kind of thought that could happen. But 
the way that this season played out, the horrific losses where you get blown out, but then the close calls where you forget how to win, those are tough pills to swallow for BYU, and they got to find ways to fix it, and that's the challenge in front of Kalani Satake and that BYU football program going forward. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to come back. We will uh, break down our Big 12 game of the week. There's a couple we're looking at, and then Mitch and I just keep going back and saying, no, that Oklahoma State-BYU game was the best game of the week. My heavens, it's right in front of us. We'll still break down some of that. And I want to get into a little bit more of some of the changes you were talking about and one of the one, some of the ones that Kalani alluded to as well. So stay right here with us. It is first and twelve. KSL News Radio, the KSL Sports Zone, every Sunday. You don't want to miss it. Download the podcast wherever fine podcasts are found. Uh, we'll be right back. More to go around the corner. Stay with us right here. Can't get enough BYU football? Listen to Cougar Nation. Mitch Harper takes your calls Monday nights from 6 to 7 on KSL News Radio. Podcast at KSLNewsRadio.com. That's right. Cougar Nation tomorrow night. It makes it sound like that you're just going to take calls, Mitch, like at your house. Just your <laughs> cell phone number. Should we give that out too? Let's say, hey, call Mitch Harper if you have any issues. Like he'll 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 be the shoulder to cry on. He'll give you some stats. You know, speaking of stats, by the way, uh, we've talked a lot on first and twelve this year. Some of the bad stats that BYU's kind of had to kind of you know how historically bad the offense has been. Uh, I did notice today that they did not get to four hundred yards in a game in the entire season for the first time since the late 1930s. And uh, I throw out that 1945 year just because they only had seven games in, their, in our nation's at war. I mean, that's how bad of, like, I, I mean, really, we've, yeah. had to, we've had to dig so far back in the decades to be able to figure out how historically bad this team was on offense. I mean, it just is crazy, too. It, it, it's crazy, Mitch, because it was such a bad game from a perspective of they're scoring, they're moving the ball, except for in the second half. I, I don't think that they eclipsed even the the 60-yard the mark in the second half, 70-yard mark. I don't know what it was. They got to overtime, and they had more yards. But it was just – it was all the things that came back and haunted them all year long. Time of possession, they lost that one. They had uh, 20-something fewer plays than Oklahoma State did on the game. Everything – that the third down conversion was abysmal. Uh, but I mean to be forty-seven percent completion rating for or completion percentage for Jake Retzlaff, I just can't imagine that BYU feels comfortable. I, and, and Kalani Satake uh, obviously uh, mentioned it last kind of last you know this this uh, this last segment where you start talking about all these young quarterbacks. It's like, dude, I don't want to hear about all the young quarterbacks. Like none of those guys are ready. You know what I mean? Like I don't want none of those guys are ready for BYU. And Jake Retzloff is not the guy either. And so I don't know what the what the transfer portal is going to bring. And you hate the idea of having to go out and try to find a Keaton Slovis-type guy like they did last year where they thought they had kind of hit a home run in the transfer portal. But at the very least, they have to go find somebody, a quarterback in the transfer portal. You need to go get an underclassman. You know, and I, and I say this name because he's got local ties. But, you know, with Devin Brown at Ohio State, you know, what's his thought process? Because he's, you know, sitting behind McCord at Ohio State and, even though they lost, maybe there's going to be a battle again. But if he goes into the portal, you know, that's the type of prospect you want. A guy that maybe doesn't have a massive, you know, sheet of of games. You know, I think everyone thought, oh, Slovis has played 30 starts in his career. But really, it ended up being he was who he thought, we thought he was in January. Right. Yep. And I think everyone kind of bought into, 
He's a perfect fit off the field. He's the leader, and he really 100%. embraced and leaned into BYU way. Like I, I, Keaton Slovis, I look as a BYU man through and through now. But on, on the field, he was who he thought he was. And Jake Retzlaff, because of how dis- how poor BYU's offense was heading into West Virginia, his little bit of success worth 42 pass attempts felt like mm-hmm. there was a glimmer of hope. But then. It just got yanked out against Iowa State, and then the 100-yard pick six against o- Oklahoma, and the inaccuracy was just yeah. was just horrendous against Oklahoma State. To where you, you, the thing is, it's nice about coming out of this game, Alex, that you really have now a good sense of who Jake Retzlaff is. Because if it was just Retzlaff against West Virginia and then three more starts of Slovis, you might be saying – Rhett's laughs the guy, but now you kind of know, and and he's probably at best a career backup in, in D1 college football, unless something drastically changes for his development in the yeah. way he passes the football. So BYU's got to be in that portal unless they get some immense, you know, potential from or uh, you know, improvement from some of these young guys. And you know, Ryder Burr and Kalani mentioned, you know, if you want to talk about like long term, like who could be the next big thing, it probably is him. But you're right, though. If he was that good already, he'd be playing, and they wouldn't be trotting out what they did on Saturday, well, and, and there was a lot of issues. Yeah, think about what he said, too, where he's like, look, uh, Zach had a lot of time in the system. Jaron had a lot of time in the system, right? And these other guys do not. <laughs> you know, these other guys that yeah. we threw in there did not. And you're exactly right. We were so over you know, head over heels about how Keaton Slovis was going to mission farewells with his teammates. He's hanging out. He's, yeah. uh, you know, he's he, right. We got we got totally sold on him being a chemistry fit because we wanted it. Like, hey, it's hard to get it's hard to get that culture fit. You know, right there at the beginning with a guy who's not an LDS kid, but he comes in. It seems like he's totally buying in to everything that BYU stands for, except for the part where if you're going to be a BYU quarterback, you better freaking sling it, man. And that's where that's the real tradition. No one cares if you can get along with your buddies and hang out and have a good time with them. If you can't win football games or if you can't score points, it's just is it doesn't. That's the part where you're like, this is the most out of character BYU team I've seen since the Gary Croton years. I mean, even even when BYU was bad in 2017, you're like, yeah, but they still have some talent. They still have some things going on here, and they were still having these five, six hundred yards or four, five hundred yard games, even against bad teams. You know, but but. To be well, totally that was a, out of, that was a brutal team. Seventeen was they were they I were still awful. Stand, was that the they worst? They were awful. They were the yeah, worst. You know what? The worst. No, they were bad. They were bad. But this one seems so out of character, right? It seems so because that one was like, oh man, you're missing Taysom Hill now, and you're missing uh, Jamal sure. Williams. Like those guys, uh, you know, were NFL dudes, and you didn't know how good of an of NFL guys they were when they were there. But this one was so out of. It, it, like you, you didn't recognize anything what this team was doing this year. Nothing. And I think that's a great point, and it's a great point, Alex. And I think what is compounded by that. Think back to fall camp. Aaron Roderick said they upgraded at every position on offense, and the only spot that you maybe say they did quarterback is at quarterback because it was a wash. And then you know he was saying the the offensive line last year was Big Twelve ready. They were not, and nope. it was just a total step back. And Kalani Satake told me at Big Twelve Media Day deepest team he's had since he was at BYU and, and and I think that to but to his credit I do believe that there was some talent there but I think it was measured by BYU standards I think BYU got a harsh reality that you do not judge these Big 12 teams 
by their logos. They will prove you wrong. These are fighter programs. They showed it in conference realignment. They will fight to the bitter end, and they will assemble talent that you do not realize how good they can be. I'll, I'll admit, I underestimate some of these Big 12 teams. And then when you see them in person, you go, holy cow, the size of these teams compared to BYU. There is truly a gap. I underestimated that talent gap when BYU stepped in because I thought the BYU way can be good enough to still get six or seven wins because BYU is just a tough out. They were not a tough out in some games. I think that was what blew me away and that some of the talent and the and the preparation, the coaching staffs in these Big 12s just far outclass BYU. And I think that's a little bit discouraging. They made some progress at the end, Alex, against Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, but uh, there, there's a long road to go for BYU because the glory of you know consistently being an eight to ten win team every year, I feel like that's out the door unless something drastically changes because this could be a program that's just you know a five to six win team on an annual basis and it gets a little bit more challenging when you know now know your rival is joining the league next year. The pressure's on. You got to step it up and, and change this thing in a hurry. And that's just the nature of college football these days. All right, let's take another break here. I mean, this is usually our, this is reserved for our uh, college or our uh, Big 12 uh, game of the week, and by far the Oklahoma State BYU game, the double overtime thriller, was the best game in the conference. Uh, it just ended obviously poorly for uh, the BYU fans who uh, don't get to go to a bowl game. I mean, it's weird. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, we're used to going mid mid December <laughs> somewhere, right? But uh, in the end, they don't get that. But you know what? They can do, uh, Mitch. They can turn up the uh, recruiting immediately, and that's what you hope they do. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Our second hour, always featuring our power poll. Well, the power poll is basically going to look like look, going to look like the standings. I mean, we're set here. Let's get into it, and we'll talk about it next right here. It's first and twelve KSL News Radio and the KSL Sports Zone. Stay with us.